Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we all are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John, Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two, and we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Uh, welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. We're going to be making poor life decisions because we're watching Season 6, Episode 9, Smashed. Uh, make sure to subscribe to hear all the Buffy and Angel content. I am your host, Dennis St. John. We have special guests with us this week, cartoonist David Yoder. I'm back again. You should have what... said, uh, smash the, the, like, the bell, you know? <laughs> We're going to smash this like and subscribe button. Um, why don't the rest of you guys introduce yourself with how much you like socks? <laughs> Hi, my name is John Landis. I like wearing socks, and I'm not uh, ashamed to admit it. Uh, I, uh, there are people uh, on the podcast who might uh, like to tell you that that's somehow perverse. Um, <laughs> but uh, I like to say I'm out and proud with uh, wearing socks. Very brave of you. Disgusting. <laughs> Hi, my name is Travis. I, I enjoy wearing socks during the day, um, but nighttime uh, is not a time for socks, in my opinion. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer up to the episode Smashed, and I love compression socks, but I am a shoe wearer. I like to wear shoes. Shoes over socks. Shoes over socks. Uh, and I wear shoes too much, but uh, compression socks are the bomb. Wearing socks over shoes is difficult. <laughs> Foolish, even. But you would probably do it, John. <laughs> <laughs> This is John's, John's suck. <laughs> stop it. All right. Uh, we're going to be talking about Smash. But before we do that, we're going to do reactions to Season 6, Episode 2, Bargaining Part 2. Audience reactions. And Travis, why don't you read this first one, since I think you got the names down better than anyone else. So if, if you're out there, please te- let us know phonetically how to pronounce your name if, it, if we keep screwing it up. But I think this is uh, pronounced Ivana Klik. And they say, now I know how Wally Serbiak must feel every night. Smiley face. We were, I think, probably just mispronouncing your name all over the place uh, in that episode. So sorry about that. Or maybe it's uh, Ivana. That's what I was saying the last time. <laughs> It's too late for us, but yeah, if you post any comment, please include the full phonetic pronunciation for your name in every comment, (laughs) not just once. Otherwise, we will forget. Uh, John, do you want to read this next one? Sure. Nasala says, not quite the the same as resurrecting to put in jail, but on a similar theme, I would recommend Surface Detail by Leon M. Banks. It deals with digital afterlives and hells for punishment, so a sort of jail. It's worth a read, especially if you like sci-fi. Sounds it's, cool. Uh, sorry, it's pretty intense, but well worth a read, especially if you like sci-fi. Ian, Ian M. Banks. I think you said Liam Banks. Another name mispronunciation. Oh, is that an I? Oh, okay. <laughs> is it, yeah. That's the guy that wrote Wasp Factory, right? I, I believe he passed away from cancer. Oh. Anyway. Keeping it fun. Uh, Rich over on Twitter uh, just wanted to let us know that uh, 
I have a work email from a Rupert in the UK exercising all my professional restraint to not address him as Ripper. <laughs> I suggest you do it just like once. See if yeah. he gets any reaction. Did I know you back in the Ripper days? All these Buffy triggers just waiting around in everyday life and you would never know. <laughs> you would never know. Let's find out what Smash was about by listening to the summary. The Summary In Smashed, the trio steals a diamond using their freeze ray that puts people in critical but stable condition. Tara and Willow are taking a break, so Lonely Willow transforms Amy from rat form into a fellow sorcerer companion. They head to the bronze and entertain each other with, I think, benignly evil spellcasting. Meanwhile, in the completely wholesome department, Tara and Don go to the movies. Don and Tara get back to the Summer's house after checking out a movie, only to find that uh, surrogate mothers of the year, Buffy and Willow, are not home. After hitting Buffy without feeling any pain, Spike is convinced that his chip is broken and that Buffy came back wrong. The trio confirms that the chip hasn't malfunctioned, so Spike confronts Buffy and they fight until they fight in an abandoned house that they destroy with their insanely powerful lovemaking. Uh, let's do Great Lines. Great Lines. Uh, I liked when Buffy was talking to Spike earlier in the episode and he was like trying to get her to be like close to him or intimate with him. And then she just says, and to that, an extreme, see you later, which I think is just a great phrase of like the saying extreme, extreme, see you later. (laughs) Um, And then later on in the episode, um, they're talking about the diamond and Anya just goes, I bet it's cursed. Diamonds are excellent for cursing, which is <laughs> great pop culture jokes. Uh, I enjoyed uh, this little exchange between Buffy and Amy, uh, which is mostly excellent because of the delivery, which I will totally ruin here. Uh, Buffy says, how have you been? Amy says, rat, you? Buffy's like, dead. And Amy goes, oh, an excellent exchange. Uh, I also think Buffy had some great lines this episode. Uh, early on, she says, I always wanted a pony when Spike is uh, saying he should be able to do whatever he wants to criminal ne'er-do-wells, even if they are human. She says, yes, because muggers deserve to be eaten. Uh, I just got triggered by Dawn, like you would, when she's talking to Tara, gets her over the house or tricks her over the house. Who knows how that exchange happened? She says, I got TV to keep me company. All it takes to get Tara to stay around. Uh, I have, uh, this is from Xander. Uh, So what did Captain Peroxide want? Uh, Just... First, first time use of this nickname. I think it's a pretty good one. And then this exchange between Amy and Willow, where they're talking about, uh, I can't believe like, Xander is engaged. He's like, so what's she like? Thousand-year-old capitalist ex-demon with rabbit phobia. Well, that's so his type. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the kill count. The kill count. So we start this episode with one attempted mugging, uh, then one person frozen but survives, one hand frozen through collateral freezing, uh, one deratting, multiple ins- instances of magical mayhem, including cage dancing and band gender swapping, and then one house fucked to death. <laughs> A lot happening this episode. And let's get into it with weird noticings and trivia. Weird Noticings. Okay, so the uh, the spell that Willow casts, uh, 
where she um, just sort of makes the spell appear and then she reads it. Uh, if uh, you freeze frame it, you can actually get the text of the spell, uh, which you really probably could not get from Alison Hannigan's terrible pronunciation. It's an Italian spell, uh, but you would not know it from listening to <laughs> Alison Hannigan read it. Uh, um, but the spell translates uh, to uh, what was no longer, what was done undones. What the, excuse me. Try that again. You're, you're having, you're having I can't even read it in English. I'll tell you why. Alison Hannigan just butchered that Italian pronunciation. But the English translation, I mean, that's... Yeah. that's what was word. no longer, what was done undoes. Past and the danger over and the test. Put things right. At least that's the Google translation. You know, I just realized that I would love to see like a super cut of like... Um, like foreign movies, like in French or German or Japanese or Chinese, that used like bizarre English phrases like "Humpty Dumpty went up a great wall," or you know, like like American like words that are nothing like this reveal thing, and just like somebody just like butchering English into like a nonsensical like American spell because it's exotic, or like you know, "Eeny meeny miny mo," you know, something like that. But that would sound exotic in their native language. Yeah, I think it's interesting that. Uh, the power, like Willow's magic is so powerful now that she doesn't have to like pronounce words properly. And that spell came out of the like thin air. She just says reveille. I mean, it was just like, like she's like, uh, what would she yeah. be? She's like level 99. Yeah, this right feels now. like wishing for more wishes that you can like cast this like meta spell and get the spell you need. It's yeah. Like, well, at that point, her power is infinite. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even get to like the crazy, well, well I'm sure we'll get to the, the hacking scene. But yeah, but like, it's just so crazy how powerful Willow is. And then how can Amy not tell that Willow looks totally different? Like she's like, oh, it's been a few weeks. And it's like, uh, Willow looks like she's aged three years. So last episode, Willow had very curly hair. She actually, in the episode before that, she looked a lot like Buffy because they both had this really curly hair. But this episode, whether it was subconscious or not, they straightened her hair. She straightened her, she straightened her hair. So her haircut looks really fairly similar. I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. But it looks similar to what she, the haircut at least, but everything is, she looks very, very different. Like, it's not like a couple weeks happened. Just yeah, by looking at her. I'm willing to cut Amy some slack. I mean, like, I don't know what it would be like to go from being a rat to, like, suddenly being human again after so long of, like, running in that wheel and, like, pooping her little pellets in the corner or whatever. I mean, if I was Amy, I'd be pretty pissed at Willow because apparently Willow is incredibly powerful, but she just like forgot how to do this one really simple spell. Or didn't even bother to try again. Yeah. (laughs) But is it, is it Willow's responsibility? Cause didn't Amy cast her own spell to turn herself into a rat, right? Yeah, but it was an emergency situation. It was not just for shits and giggles. But we know from the movie, the witches or witches, (laughs) that like the rat spell is just can't be reversed that's a yeah that is a serious spell in the witches for sure i totally forget how they i totally forget how they reversed the buffy rat spell because buffy was briefly a rat how did they reverse Uh, that amy just reverses it amy reverses it yeah i was gonna say maybe amy's just glad that she's still alive because rats or rats lifespans are not you know super long compared to humans yeah, I wonder how many different uh, rats they went through. <laughs> it's John, like can babies we get a, on a Can TV we get the show. freeze frames on all the rats? And- yeah, let's do some <laughs> reference. 
Uh, I just like that they called it R.I.P. Larry. Like they, br- you know, this show doesn't always bring up its uh, dead again, but uh, he's gone but not forgotten. They also mention Amy's dad, who I guess doesn't deserve a phone call or anything to know that his daughter's back and alive or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he probably thinks he killed her during uh, gingerbread. Uh, yeah, he definitely would. <laughs> It'd be awesome for him, for her to like like scare him and stuff, like haunt him. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I guess, yeah, if you're going to be resurrected or like return to your human form after years, might as well take advantage of that. Your, your well, might as well exact some revenge, like some proper revenge, bruh. Do you think she wants to take revenge on her parents? I think she probably has the most hostility towards her mom. But That's true. Presumably yeah. her mom got all blowed up, right? <laughs> she was a trophy in the uh, school. Oh, yeah. Exploded. They, oh, they, yeah. Already, they already screwed up that. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Oh, yeah. So I just want to talk really quickly about uh, this wall, this painting on the uh, wall. Uh, this I've been following this painting. We haven't brought it up in the podcast, but I've been personally following this painting. This painting uh, is a painting that is uh, sort of gray and white, and you see little bits of it in different shots. And what it is, is it's sort of a painting that's a copy of a woman's mugshot. It's kind of a cool painting. It's a copy of a woman's mugshot, and it has her like serial number, which if you Google it, gives you nothing. Um, so don't try. Uh <laughs> But this was on Tara's uh, dorm room wall, and then it moved into Buffy's house when uh, Tara and Willow moved into Buffy's house. And now that Tara's moved out, the painting is still there, which I feel yeah. like is uh, um, a bit of a, a bit of realism. Because, like, uh, you know, when you break up, you divide up your stuff. But there's always that like residue stuff that sticks around and is like a reminder. I felt like uh, some feels when I was thinking about uh, Willow staying in that room with uh, Tara's big painting on, up on the wall. It's interesting detail work, John. Yeah. Thought, also, she's still at she's still in Joyce's room, which I know you wouldn't like necessarily move out right immediately, but <laughs> that's not her room, you know. <laughs> I thought maybe the painting was that weird cat painting with the flowers, but I don't know if you guys have talked about that one already. I don't think I've noticed that one. It was it was behind Willow in one shot, and it, like it was so weird, like like the abstract, but like in a childish style, like sort of thing. Like it just did not look great. Like, hmm. I don't know. But it's not worth talking about. Uh, and then we go into the museum and I'm like, I wonder if this is the first time back in the museum since Inca Mummy Girl. I think it's the same museum, right? I mean, what are the chances that they got a separate diamond museum from a mummy museum in Sunnydale? Isn't this the second time that there's been like a, something from the British collection that has caused mayhem? Uh, yeah it's funny yeah it's from the british museum where giles used to work right and uh also at the museum uh jonathan drops down all the like mission impossible tom cruise to steal this diamond and then uh as they're stealing the diamond i i wrote my notes i was like they're basically like becoming like adam west like 60s batman villains and then they have the literal freeze gun like Mr. Freeze. So, i don't know i just enjoyed how cartoony they're becoming or always are i guess yeah well there's no way to like be a serious villain with a freeze ray right ice to meet you always i think i just misinterpreted it based on it to based on its the, them being right next to each other but i always assumed that this was a diamond powered freeze ray which i know doesn't actually makes sense but that's how you power freeze rays in like it's a cool idea is it a diamond powered freeze ray 
I, no, I couldn't. No, throw. I don't think so because no, they didn't like okay. pop the diamond in right just then. Okay, I could have. Yeah. I don't know. No, Warren puts it in his pocket. Uh, oh, okay. I did they, like how they, Warren had to kept prompting them to say like, you know. yeah, we were on the freeze ray tour. Uh, oh, did you guys catch all the shade that Buffy um, threw at Willow when she was talking to Amy? She's like, Amy, you should stay here. Everyone does. <laughs> I love that. That's an excellent <laughs> moment. Yeah, so she's good. like, what is even happening to my house? Buffy comes back, comes downstairs, and uh, Amy is watching uh, Buffy's TV and eating Buffy's cookies. Uh, this is an excellent ad playing in the background, which if you kind of like don't really, if you're focused into the plot, you might miss. Uh, the uh, text of the ad that you can hear from the TV is, which means now you get two double meat medleys for the price <laughs> of one. It's a pure beefy patty above. And then the female announcer comes on and says, and a slice of processed chicken product below. Plus, plus, and then it cuts off because uh, Amy turns the TV off. <laughs> Gee, I wonder if that'll come back later. Yeah, I don't know. When Buffy and Spike meet up at the museum looking for clues, there's a little shout out for any Buffy Giles shippers that may or may not exist. And if you do uh, exist, they definitely exist because. Yeah, they're definitely weirdos, and they definitely exist because if you look on uh, Archive of Our Own, there's a lot of Buffy slash Giles fiction out there. Who do you think the Buffy Giles shippers are? Like, what's their demographic? Are they like Englishmen? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Sorry to be so uh, dense here. Are you calling out the fact that Buffy says that, you know, she was thinking about Giles? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just wanted to be explicit about it because I was... A little confused. I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and no, Spike, no. Well, and and it's more even that Spike's like, I always wondered about you too. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, the moment of Tara being the divorced parent to Dawn is absolutely heartbreaking and horrible. Yeah. Uh, that's so sad and intense. Like, just like, oh, I'll buy you a milkshake, and we didn't break up because of you. It just, it's like very cliched, but like really sweet and uh, really, really, really uh, got to me. Yeah, those, those two have always had a really good relationship from Don's first episode, you know. Um, and it moved from being like them both being the outsiders in the group to like being a parental relationship. And yeah, those those scenes are good and emotional. On a completely different note, uh, wanted to talk about uh, a great zoom and enhance opportunity where uh, they're reading the newspaper about a uh, quick zoom in and enhance uh, that will not be quick at all. Uh, in the scene when they're sitting around the magic box reading the newspaper, uh, Willow and Xander have newspapers out and they're reading uh, about what's happened at the museum of the man who got frozen. Uh, they cut to a close-up on the newspaper, which you can see for a second. And there's a little headline about the man being frozen. But if you freeze frame it, uh, there's some really bizarre text there. And I want to give credit to uh, One Bit Shy, who actually transcribed this uh, and posted it to a, the uh, Buffy uh google group in 2006 so uh this is sort of in fragments because the different you can't see every article and the different articles sort of start and stop in places the way the shot is but okay many instances of divinely inspired infant geniuses have later turned out to be magnificently machinated hoaxes perpetuated by clergy as a means of motivating reluctant parishioners modern research confirms however that many such events are indeed genuine instances of intellectual prodigy As award-winning scientist Mr. Chen recognized theological thesis at age 11, became a working journalist at age 13, and succumbed to alcoholism before his 16th birthday, or before her 16th birthday. That's the first fragment. Second fragment is, 
At first glance, it would seem that there are more cases involving scientists who act like managers than cases of infants displaying genius-like behavior. But this provides, or this proves, to be a widespread misperception. The instances of newborn children displaying parodical mental powers are more numerous than would be expected. Many cases of newborn infants speaking forms of gibberish later confirmed to be ancient or foreign languages have mystified researchers for centuries. That's the second fragment. Uh, here's the third. The infant of Lubeck talked within a few hours of birth, learned Latin and French by age three, and predicted his own death by age four. That's apparently a real thing. This is a real story. The infant of Lubeck. I've Googled that. It's a real thing. Uh, our downtown, I mean, it's not real. It's a legend, but it's a real legend. Okay. Uh, next fragment. Our downtown library represents one of the more easily identifiable modes of anomalously prodig prodigious mental processing. These individuals are known for their ability to calculate mathematical operations involving figures far larger than most people cap are capable of even remembering. Uh, and then one more that um, one bit shy didn't find, but that I found because I am looking in HD, which I have the advantage of in this year, which I don't think they had in 2006. Uh, another section that says uh, medical services are performed at the promised reward hospital with specialists from Grace of the Angel Clinic on Franklin Street. Uh, as the group moved on to their next engagement, the fate of something remains uncertain while the search for the next well, the search for the next of kin continues. With the advent of modern medical imaging, third-term fetuses have been observed doing complicated dance movements that bespeak the... And then it cuts off there. This is wild. I thought yep. these were going to be articles about the museum guards, not about... Yeah, no, it's sort of like... like I think it's like kids. sort of someone's weird version of Lorem Ipsum is this... Uh, I was able to track down um, the bit about the infant of Lubeck. There is a similar, not word for word the same, but very, very closely worded uh, version of that sentence, which appears uh, in a book about sort of that's sort of like historicizing the concept of genius. Uh, it's called The Crucible, The Fire in the Crucible, I think. Um, so I was able to track that down to there, but the rest of the text is not from there, even though a lot of it seems to be about similar topic. So I, I suspect it might be a different work by the same author. I don't know. I think I've seen online before that, like, uh, for TV shows, like, like a bunch of different shows have had the same prop newspapers before and stuff, like, just because it's like, why bother to, like... Right. Yeah, but but that was pretty interesting. Thank you for doing that research, John. Did you use a computer or magic? I uh, used only a computer and the magic of my mind. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, Willow's laptop, which is a fantastic uh, G3 Snow iBook. This is the first uh, laptop that Apple made. That's that classic white iBook look. For a second, I was thinking like, wow, does the uh, Magic Box have Wi-Fi? That's like really early to have Wi-Fi because those, you know, iBooks, that one and the, the earlier like orange and blue ones that are a little bit more like iconic were some of the first laptops that came out with Wi-Fi. So it was like, wow, the Magic Box has Wi-Fi in like 2001 or whatever. Um, but actually, if you watch it, uh, carefully, she actually does plug in a network cable, um, so she is in fact jacked in during this scene. <laughs> uh, how about that magic hacking? Yeah, I was pretty excited to see the magic hacking, and I guess like that's interesting that you say that she was connected to the internet. Like, I wondered, like, was the laptop even necessary? Like, she seemed to be <laughs> so above. She, like, she wasn't actually typing; she had her fingers kind of floating above. But like, I don't know. That was that was some some interesting shit there i wanted to i wish we saw what she saw because it would have looked 
like hackers or Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some Minority Report type, like moving screens around and like grabbing this and like yeah. I rewatched Minority Report the other day. It was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they spent the whole wire budget on the bronze, Dennis. Yeah. Sorry, couldn't couldn't do anything for the laptop upgrade. It seems crazy and unnecessary, but I mean, totally, you know, in theme of what Willow's doing this week. She's magic for everything. Uh, I like when Spike thinks the chip is broke. 100% immediately goes back to eating people. Like, I feel like anyone arguing for, like, Spike becoming a better person, he just, no hesitation. Wastes no time. Yeah. (laughs) And he's, like, still a really good, like, I'm going to, like, find the, like, girl who's lost and missing, like... Well, she was literally a girl in a red riding hood, like a sweatshirt. Um, I thought he was pretty dumb to like jump to that conclusion right away because, like, literally at the beginning of the episode, he punched the human mugger guy, and like, you know, his ship was working then. Like, like I don't know that it took him so long to put two and two together. It seemed Spike like Mike is not a smart boy, but you know what? He might be. <laughs> he might be a, a giant nerd. Uh, <laughs> So I'm starting to develop a headcanon that Spike is like a closet nerd. Uh, Here's my case is that like we know that like in his original human life that he was a poet, which is like, you know, if poets are like, yeah, they're the 19th century nerds, right? Would be poets, right? So, um, but then like also uh, jump forward to this episode where he's like, you know, like beaten up on the trio for being nerds. And he like, he makes two Star Trek references in making fun of them. He's he like, pulls, uh, it's not time to play holodeck. holodeck. He pulls out Holodeck real quick. Yeah, he does. He does. And uh, he says he doesn't know who Boba Fett is, but we know from uh, School Hard that he does know who Yoda is. That's true. You're my Yoda, man. I think I think Spike is at least like on some level like a like a closet nerd. Like either he he secretly is into, you know, geeky pop culture stuff or he wishes he could be like. I think he has some kind of like desire for that on That's- the inside. That's why he hates Xander so much. Xander is living yep. the life he wishes he could. Um, speaking of being a giant nerd, uh, I want to talk about... Oh, my God. Wow, Dennis. Yeah, this uh, Boba Fett action figure. Uh, so I did a little bit of research on the uh, original uh, variations of the uh, Boba Fett action figure. I think quite famously there is a, there was a version of it that could actually fire missiles, but that that was canceled because it was sort of... They f- decided it was unsafe. Um, and that all the ones everybody got had them fused in, but this is not that like that would explain why they're so protective of it. Yeah, because that's what basically those... what they claim it is. They say it's this. Yeah, nineteen seventy. I think no versions of that exist that are painted. The, all the all the prototype ones that have that uh, were unpainted, so it's not that. There is a sort of a special variant of the original Boba Fett, which is called the Tri Logo. I, I found this Googling around today, um, but that one is not what they have either. Because uh, if you freeze frame it, you can see that the painting is different. It's uh, it's the regular. Regular Kenner uh, Boba Fett. It's not yeah. special at all what they have. It's uh, it's worth about 40 bucks uh, out of the package the way I have it. Oh, hey. But the display looks stupid. <laughs> well, the display looks like it costs more than the figure's worth. Like, they, they also say that it's like mint or whatever, and it's like, it's only mint if it's in like the box, right? Like, I, I, I'm, yeah, we're showing our nerd colors here, I guess, but... I mean, collectibles are stupid, but that one's like, yeah. that feels so off. Also, like, do, would a nerd buy something that says the name of the thing so loudly on it? Boba I feel Fett? like they made that or had it printed oh, at totally a, like a shop it. or something. They I was watching so they- an episode of DS9 last night, and it's the one where they go to get the Sword of Kalos. 
And it actually bothered me that they take the sword of Kalos, but they don't take the display that it's on. I'm like, it's got to be worth something also. <laughs> How are you going to show this in your house? Display matters. Yeah, don't forget the frame when you steal that art, okay? That's right. Old-timey crooks. Sometimes the frame is worth more than the art, for real. Do you think uh, Jonathan or Spike like have any memories of their interactions from Superstar? Because they had, like, that antagonistic relationship. I don't think they do. <laughs> I don't know. Does Jonathan even remember the twins from Superstar? Like, <laughs> I'm sure he remembers that. That's important, close to his heart. No one got mind-wiped after that. Like, everyone should remember it. But it hasn't really been brought up. Yeah. It's weird. It'd be a fun opportunity. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> Just really, uh, didn't So, <laughs> John, to kind of lean on your uh, Spike is a closet nerd thing... Um, they're talking to him about Doctor Who, um, which he denies or does not say anything about. But I wonder if he's a Doctor Who fan. And then they also s- Andrew says he's watched every episode of Doctor Who. There's literally no way that is possible. Yeah, it's literally impossible because there's like two lost episodes. Im friggin possible. I guess Andrew, you got the case, liar. but I, was I think more we're proving who the real trio is. <laughs> Yeah, I was more wanting to mention how uh, Andrew said that the Red Dwarf DVDs were not out yet. And I looked it up, and Series 1 didn't come out until 2003. I don't have Series 1, but I do have Series 2, 3, 4, and 5 here to show my nerd colors. So I just thought I'd share that with you guys. I was thinking, though, that, like, we were definitely watching Red Dwarf in high school. I guess we were watching watching PH. Yeah, PBS yeah. and VHS from the library. It was almost weird for me to hear DVD. Like, I know it's 2001 or whatever, but this feels like an early thing to, like, be mentioning that. I think that's about when I first got my first DVD player. It was about 2001. So how advanced is the sensor in Spike's chip? Like, that it can, like, detect Buffy's not fully human now or something. Something's wrong. Like, I don't know. Just when you think about even what, like, facial recognition software is now in 20... 20- right you know whatever year we're in 2020 um just seems like (laughs) like is it based on is it on some level based on spike's perceptions like is it because it gets based on spike on some core level believes that buffy's not human now and so that would be spike's issues not buffy's well yeah well it's also interesting to like that like she wasn't considered outside of the realm of being human as just being the slayer because like she has like special abilities and stuff by being the slayer alone right yeah i mean it's probably just a simple you know the simple for the initiative to build something that tests to see if you have a soul or not but like (laughs) could spike punch willow because she's a witch like or is that like she's still human he can't punch tara we know that okay just seems like you know i mean it it exists only because the story needs needs it to exist but it is like this thing is just a chip it's 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 not a chip it's a plot device so can spike can be relatively good like chaotic good instead of being his pure evil that he wants to be well i love this whole scene in the bronze i like amy and uh willow out on a hang zone at the bronze um, and I love seeing the best part of that scene for me is when Will is put on the spot when Amy magics a woman to come over and hit on her. Like, there's it's something about having never seen that scene before, right? Like, you know, we've seen the male temptation scenes, but the female temptation scene kind of playing out is just very 
it felt super direct and like i was surprised too like i, I felt like i was empathizing with willow like oh it's too soon wait what <laughs> uh hey, it was just really a fun uh fun scene it felt like a real just like felt like a real progressive and interesting scene though i don't know about calling her ellen as an insult but whatever <laughs> did you notice the uh, woman's name that uh gets magic over to hit on willow should i know her Bree? well you shouldn't her name is brie though which we know is cordelia's weakness <laughs> so again headcanon i think that this uh this no. brie went to sunday oh, high school dip. with their class and that this was uh some kind of like rival to cordelia because they have similar uh dark hair this whole time we thought they were talking about cheese they're talking they're talking about larson over here amazing i thought it was weird when they like turned off the spell that she was just kind of like oh uh I don't see what's so special about you now or something. Like, like, what, what, what is that switch going off there? That it's like, she doesn't want to hit on Willow anymore. Like, <laughs> well, she was there with somebody else. Yeah. I think is the implication. There's the, and then she goes back and then the, the, the girl she was with, uh, is, is like, like what, what the hell? The hell? <laughs> yeah. Another zoom in and enhance moment. If you, uh, will be so kind as to scroll down to the bottom of the document. Uh, it's a little bit hard to see because, uh, there's a pole in the way and the camera kind of pans past it. So you can't see the whole thing at once. But there's a poster there that says, keep our school safe. Stop arson. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an amazing public service announcement. <laughs> Seems like it could be used in Sunnydale, though. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. These were, put, these were put up as soon as Buffy transferred into the school. <laughs> no, these were put up after the, that fucking motorcycle gang went through town, oh, right? Yeah. Like that, oh, They yeah. probably blamed it on kids because they don't want to acknowledge the existence of monsters. Because they also hit up mailboxes. It's like coffee shop burned down, mailboxes destroyed. We need to stop arson. Kids don't know. I almost put this in the questions for the group, but uh, I, I don't think this is how your questions work. But uh, so is Xander the best male in this episode? Because, you know, Spike is like basically negging Buffy because uh, he's not getting this physical relationship he wants. Uh, the trio, of course, are just being their normal trio selves. And then uh, there's those gross dudes at the bronze that we've mentioned who, like, yeah, call Willow Ellen and also say something about with Amy about, like, come on, you're going to leave us hanging about getting us all worked up with dancing. Like, that. it's like, what the, you know, what? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Last time we saw two guys dancing on one girl, it was Faith and she could handle that. <laughs> I wish they had recast the same guys. That would have been great. I don't know if <laughs> it is, but <laughs> Xander's kind of decent in this episode, right? He doesn't do anything gross, at least. He doesn't least do anything he. gross. That's right. I think since season five, Xander's been all right. Yeah. Whether that trend continues is up to predictions, but... Man, you're such a prediction baiter on <laughs> Michael. <laughs> prediction baiter. <laughs> the Dark Prince baiter. <laughs> yeah you want to get just more ambiguous predictions about xander that can't be uh interpreted love it <laughs> xander will do something perverted wait that wasn't perverted no, a prediction that can be interpreted either way depending on how the outcome actually comes out uh xander does get chided though for uh reading a dungeons and dragons manual while they're trying to research who stole the the diamond and uh my main thought was like the Scooby gang should play D and D like, especially for <laughs> Anya and Xander, like what is their fun outside of like themselves and like going to work? Like it's looking up like demons and things. It's like, they should, they should relax and just like, you know, roll some D twenties. 
They have uh, Trivial Pursuit at the place. They do have Trivial Pursuit, yeah. They have Trivial Pursuit in their apartment. We've covered that before. But that's couple fun. They need to have, like, group fun. Like, I don't understand why a D&D manual isn't helpful. Like, they live in a crazy <laughs> universe. Why? Like, they live in a world with vampires and demons and shit. Why wouldn't a D&D manual be, like, authoritative? Oh, okay. Uh, so, just want to uh, give a quick update on bronze bands. Apparently, we get bronze bands again all of a sudden. We haven't had bronze bands in ages, and now it's two episodes in a row. Yeah. And in this episode, we get two bronze bands. So, the first one is a band called Virgil. Uh, they have three different songs in this episode, uh, which you can find on YouTube, which, and all of the comments are hundred percent people being like, I love this episode of Buffy. <laughs> uh, uh, all these songs are from their 2001 self-released and self-titled, uh, CDR CD. Whoa. Uh, yeah. CDR. Yeah. And, uh, but they had a real proper release on their second album after this, uh, in 2004, uh, and then the band they get turned into is a band called the Halo Friendlies, who is an all-female uh, punk uh, band. They've had uh, four albums uh, between uh, 98 and 2002. So this is right in the middle of their existence. And uh, those are our bronze bands. Awesome. The one guitarist for Hello Friendlies, like I thought it looked exactly like a female like Kurt Cobain, like with the hair <laughs> and like had his grunge sweater. So Amy seems pretty powerful with magic as well. Like she's kind of matching willow like spell for spell on like all this chaos or like the unrestrained magic that they're doing like i just thought that was interesting like i know we we know she's a magic user but like also that like it came back so naturally for her after being a rat for like so long i think you'd need to practice maybe but i guess not yeah she she seems to have advanced in rat since she was a rat or maybe not maybe she'd been restraining her magic use all through high school or she's been seeing Willow and picking up, like, you know. Like how Splinter learns ninjutsu as a rat. Yes! Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Dennis. Mimicking my <laughs> Oh, man. What other Buffy podcast is talking about that? Well, isn't her mom also a witch, right? Like, she has... Yes. Yeah. She has some yeah, kind but of, the, like... You don't get the impression... In season three, that her her powers are nearly this powerful. She does seem to have leveled up a lot during the rat years. Yeah, I mean, this is just what happens when you have a character that joins late. You got to just bring him up to the level, you know, like no explanation needed. Like what happened? Oh, she dreamed a bunch of magic shit. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, living in the witch's room, just absorbing some of the energies, watching watching that magic happen. I mean... Yeah, you can't have like a level one user join your campaign when you've all been playing for like three years. The other final scene here in the episode is uh, this house, abandoned house where Spike and Buffy have their fight flirting. And like, I noticed there's like a crystal chandelier. Like, what is that doing in this abandoned house? Did you guys see <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah, how has it's that like, not been picked over before? Right? Like, what's going on? There, there must be just so many abandoned houses in Sunnydale that like they're not able to ransack them properly, I guess. If I was uh, somebody who, like, if I was, uh, you know, somebody who wanted to go looking for valuables in an abandoned house, and I am, but I, uh, if I was that and I lived in Sunnydale, I would probably be very careful about the abandoned houses I went and investigated. Right. But somebody, you know, usually somebody, like, an abandoned house, there's still, like, some ownership or something. There, There's going to be a company that comes in and cleans out, like, anything that's actually worth something, right? I was thinking, like, what if it's actually a house that's on the market and, like, the chandeliers to, like, gussy it up so when they show it, they're like, but look at the chandelier. <laughs> I always, so, like, usually based on a Buffy episode title, like, I, 
I can just see the title and I'll remember the whole episode. Season six, things get blurry, like when it's like crashed and smashed and smooshed or whatever. Like, uh, so this episode, I like never really remember going in which episode it is right up until, <laughs> until I'm like, oh, this is the one where Buffy and Spike fuck down the house. <laughs> Good word. Uh, it, it's so, a little much when they collapse the floor. That's where it's yeah. like it's, it's like done instantly because it's like it's a solid fall. But like it's crazy that uh, that they're continuing to they they want to do it or whatever like so intensely. But like it seems just like an unnecessary like stunt to like. Also, it's like over in a second. Uh, I feel like the stunt failed the way they intended somehow. Like, but they just committed it anyway. I don't know. To me, it's not the falling that the falling through the floor isn't the big payoff as much as like when they land on the concrete basement and the concrete <laughs> shatters. Yeah, <laughs> and like, I always think like you know vampires heal and stuff, but their bones are still bones. Like Spike's pelvis was shattered. <laughs> this is more like Superman and Wonder Woman fucking than uh, oh, poor Riley. <laughs> like this is what I've been talking about for years that Riley just could not keep up with this. Like. There's no way. So weird thing about this sex um, that I noticed, um, and I don't want to be gross, but I think I have to be. But like, I'm—I promise I'm only interested in this as like a continuity issue. Um, when they 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 cut into close up, and you actually like you can you can see them reaching out of frame and like messing with belts, and you can hear like jingling of belts, and it seems like pants are coming off. And there's even like. Uh, like I don't want to be gross. There's a moment where like it seems like it's a moment that this is the um, penetration moment. Yeah. Uh, and then they cut back to wide, and Buffy still fully has her pants on, and they're like tight leather pants. It's not like something you can push to the side. Not really sure what's going on there, uh, but for the entire time, Buffy is fully wearing her pants. I think Spike is too, but it's kind of harder to tell because he's got the coat over it. Yeah, they're just getting to the essential bits, I guess. I mean, I think at the point where you're destroying houses. Like zippers. Oh, or- I see. You're just blasting through whatever's <laughs> in your way. <laughs> that, wow. I said I didn't want to be gross. I noticed the same thing when I watched it, though. So I'm glad you brought it up that someone brought it up. I feel like the sound engineer just looks like, I'm so excited. I get to do all these sounds. I mean, the sounds of them getting undressed is like so insane. Like it, it sounds like they're wearing three belts and <laughs> 10 zippers, and it's just. It, the person like must have really like been like, alrighty, I get to use all these effects, and it just went just went absolutely nuts. I think this is a really great place to end weird noticings and trivia, and move on to questions for the group. Questions for the group. Yeah. Um. So, all right, you wake up from a short coma in the middle of senior year. What is it that you need to get back to? Okay. So I'm like back in high school or at least you think up. you are like amy you maybe it's now maybe it's later but you you think it's the you think you've woken up in the middle of senior year god and then i see like myself in the mirror and i see all my like <laughs> my white beard and stuff good lord <laughs> oh so alarming. you don't check the mirror right away what do you do besides that Dennis? what is it that you can't wait to get back to like amy's like i gotta go ask that guy to the prom or whatever I remember senior year, I was working on my senior project was a comic book that I scripted all of it and I uh, like drew the first few pages. And it's pretty terrible in retrospect to think back on, but it was uh, it was called Teen Angst about some uh, high schoolers uh, just going through their high school experience. So 
Uh, I could, I mean, I actually have it in the other room. I could probably show some pages, but I don't know if you care that much. I care. Yeah. Okay, I'll be right back. I don't remember looking forward to anything senior year of high school. That was a rough time for me. Uh. Yeah, it was a rough year for sure. I think I would be, uh, I would have been like, all right, got to get to swim practice. Yeah. You know, I was pretty obsessed with swim team my senior year. I'd be like, oh no, I have to go work my shift at the pizza place. Yeah, I got to learn my lines for Death of a Salesman. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> God, what if yeah, thirty-eight-year-old John has to go back to Marion's Pizza? That'd be. I've I've had I have dreams like that constantly. I constantly have like, horrible <laughs> like food service dreams where I'm back at places that I've worked before. Yeah, I don't think I was doing anything like. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's definitely not like uh, not like Amy, where it's like there's this thing I wanted to accomplish. Well, I mean, she's checking up on you know boyfriends too, right? So it's like you would totally be back in your high school self, like. Hey, my girlfriend or the person I've crushed on at the time, like what they're up to, like, yeah, which is true, feels like a distant memory now. But like, yeah, of course, we'd want to pick up those things. And I'd be looking for you guys uh, <laughs> to try and figure out where where's the team? Who am I going to watch my anime with? Where are my friends? <laughs> <laughs> where's my anime at, dogs? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a hard time to come back to. I mean, senior year was just a tough year, period. I couldn't find anything other than... Uh... This is like the cover that oh. I did. It's oh, wow. It's a cracked mirror. I actually I ended up it. doing a painting of the cover. Um, but the it was like, a, so there was the girl in the middle had a Superman type shirt, but it had an M on it. And her name was Melinda. And she was kind of a shy girl that these are her two friends. There's a Bud or Bub, I think, this like kind of slacker dude. And then Ken, this nerd that's not even looking the right way or whatever. And they all have their own, like, kind of objectives that they have to meet by the end of the story. Like, hers is that she writes poetry, but she's shy, so she does uh, the school talent show and reads a poem. That's cool, man. Did you, So is it a personal story, or? No, it's it fiction. Fiction? Neat. I feel like you're so auto-bio from the stuff I've seen of yours, so it's surprising to see fiction, but that's cool. This is before he found his style. This is high school. My question is, for the doctor in the room... Can you survive being, like, flash-frozen by a freeze ray that is not diamond-powered? And getting thawed out by a hair dryers? I thought, like, I thought for sure they're going to they they're gonna realize that they killed this guy. There's no way this guy's alive. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's one thing to be, like, cold and have hypothermia. It's another to actually be frozen soft. <laughs> yeah. Like, this isn't, like, hypothermia where... Some people can survive. You know, he wasn't in a in a like an, an ice cold lake in January, and you know, this guy was literally the entire surface was frozen solid. Like for, for that matter, Jonathan's totally losing that arm, right? Yeah, that arm is dead. That arm has <laughs> severe severe tissue damage. Like amputation is inevitable for that arm. Uh, Robot. Another arm. doctor. Another doctor. Travis question here. Um, they say on the on the TV news broadcast um, that he is in critical but stable condition. Can you be critical and stable at the same time, or is that a contradiction? Uh, it's it's basically a contradiction. Um, like just by the by the nature of what critical should mean, what stable should mean. Right? Doesn't critical mean that like if we don't do something, you're going to die? 
And stable means right. the opposite of well, that, doesn't it? I mean, stable could mean that something isn't changing, but the idea that you could be in stable condition after being frozen solid is <laughs> not rational. <laughs> What's the train movie where the Neanderthal gets unfrozen and comes back to life? Encino Man? That's with Christopher Lee and... But, you know, not important. Uh, like, they took, like, a movie trope where, like, this happens to cavemen and stuff, and they're like, oh, yeah, what sure is that works. movie? That's a good movie. Uh... Is it just called Horror Express? Uh, I think we're all think all three thinking of different caveman movies. Never mind. It also happens in uh, you know uh, Scooby Doo, but it turns out it's not really a caveman. Freezing preserves things, but it doesn't keep anyone alive. Like uh, so, let's move to themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. Uh, not a lot of themes and deep stuff this episode. It's kind of a lighter episode. Um, the one thing that I thought of that we could talk about here is uh, Anya gives this theory that, um, you know, Willow, the fact that she's so straight-laced and uh, I think uh, even-headed is, I think, what Buffy says, something like that, um, that that's the reason that she's going to go bad and go really horrible, that people who are more straight-laced, when they do go bad, go worse. Do you guys think that that's true? I think to a degree, like not to like the you become a supervillain degree or anything, but like... I think doing bad things, like being a little reckless, is something you need to learn the same as anything else. And so when you've had no practice at it your whole life, you do tend to do it wrong, right? You're like, go to extreme in one direction, right? I was going to say, whenever somebody snaps, uh, they always interview the neighbors and they're like, oh, you're such a quiet, nice guy. You know, like, that's what you always hear. So, like, I don't know. How about that for deep stuff? You guys want to move to recommendations? recommendations so i really thought that the freeze ray was diamond powered and that's why i recommend congo uh and i was wrong but i love a good diamond powered device uh and congo you need to get diamonds to get the lasers to work i mean they're still it's still all about diamonds uh that movie is super fun it's not good but it's not as bad as people remember because those ape effects are really great they got to go into the Congo to get the diamonds. They need the talking. They have on their team the talking ape, and then they meet the monster ape hybrids. Bruce Campbell has like a cameo in this movie. Like people talk about it like as a Bruce Campbell movie, but it's not. But it is a Tim Curry movie. Also, I'm kind of amazed I've gone this long without recommending it, but uh, because we're talking freeze rays this episode, we might as well bring up Dr. Horrible's sing along blog, uh, the other musical that Joss Whedon did. Uh, starring Neil Patrick Harris uh, and Felicia Day, because it also has a freeze ray, although specifically it freezes time instead of ice. Um, and then I was like, let's t- think about movies with like sex so crazy it breaks things. Um, so The Human Tornado, the second Dolomite movie, uh, this scene is parody is referenced in uh, the Eddie Murphy Dolomite is my name. Uh, but it doesn't take place in the first Dolomite movie. It takes place in the Human Tornado. He breaks out. He breaks a wall and a roof with his sex. Um, and then the sequel to <laughs> The Dark Knight Returns. Sorry, the sequel to The Dark Knight Returns, the Frank Miller comic. Uh, Superman and Wonder Woman get together, and they like basically break the world with their sex. Um, <laughs> That's what I was talking about. <laughs> That's what uh, yeah, David was referencing earlier. 
yeah, it like causes like massive earthquakes, like battleships are lost, like uh, no, the earth is like liter- like legit almost destroyed from these two banging. It also feels like on the same level of like the Kevin Smith dialogue in Mallrats or whatever about like uh, Superman's junk just like shooting right out of like <laughs> Lois Lane because it's so powerful yeah. or whatever. What men, of, men of Steel, Women of Tissue. Yeah, another ice powered freeze gun, Batman and Robin. Oh yeah, uh, I did have a list of a lot more like monster sex, but I was like, I can't, I can't keep going back to this. Well, that's I'm sure the whole other recommended it, but like <laughs> Shape of Water, like they like flood the the apartment. Yeah, I'm sure I've recommended Shape of Water before, but if I haven't, uh, let's do predictions though. Virgin predictions. Uh, Michael, your uh, overall accuracy at this moment is a 63.1%, where your uh, accuracy for this season alone is a 69.7. So let's take a look at the predictions. A lot of predictions to talk about this this episode, so I hope you guys are uh, strapped in for a nice long predictions. Um, so back, 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 season three, episode 11, uh, you predicted that no parent will mention the witch hunt again. It never happened. So, uh, you know, I, I was maybe going to, um, think about trying to confirm this one. If you hadn't said no parent, cause I, I, I thought you had said no adult will mention the witch hunt again. Uh, and that you could argue that, you know, Amy clearly remembers it. Uh, and she's an adult now. But uh, it says no parent. I don't think there are any parents that remember the witch, the witch hunt that we can, we know of. It's definitely important that it be parents because they're responsible, <laughs> right? That yes, of course. Not uh, even surrogate parents like Buffy or Willow and. Well, no, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, in season four, episode nine, you predicted that Amy will have another scandalous reveal. Her first scandalous reveal, of course, being when she appears briefly naked on the bed. Uh, this is her second scandalous reveal because she does the exact same thing again. So that one is confirmed. Well done, Michael. I don't know why it's necessarily scandalous, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying she appears in front of like one person. It's not like she's like accidentally like naked in the school or something. Well, she wasn't like wearing little rat clothes. It was she's completely nude. So that's scandalous. <laughs> right. We're going to call this scandalous just because uh, I can't justify not calling it scandalous. Okay. All right. In season four, episode 19, uh, Michael predicted that Amy will need to be transformed back into a human because of the cat. And that is not why she was transformed back into a human. Uh, the, the cat has not been mentioned for a while. We don't know what's going on with the cat. Nope, Willow just was bored. <laughs> so that one's denied. Okay. Uh, yeah, that would have been a better reason, I guess. But uh, okay. Season five, episode two, the Scooby gang will play new board games that break the classic board game Trinity, which includes uh, Clue, Life, and Monopoly. Uh, so uh, they do have a D&D manual. Uh, the question is, do you think that the Scooby gang is actually playing D&D? Does that imply that they're actually playing Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll I mean, leave that we one open for now. Yeah, we didn't confirm this one back when John discovered that they have Trivial Pursuit. That's on the true. Table. That's true. That's true. That one seems a little bit more suggestive. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't playing it. They just no. It was clearly like as a decoration. Anyway, um, 
Season five, episode 15, uh, Michael predicted Amy, comma, the rat, comma, has not been keeping up with school. I think that that is confirmed. That is she confirmed. clearly has not been keeping up with school. There we go. I don't okay. know why you felt like you needed to read the commas there, but. <laughs> <laughs> Season five, episode 19, uh, Michael predicted Willow will cast a spell to forget Tara. Now, you can read this prediction two ways. She will cast a spell that causes herself to forget Tara. Or you could read it as she will um, cast a spell sort of in order to alleviate her pain over Tara. Like in the sense that like when you say somebody drinks to forget, they're not literally erasing their memory, right? So if I drink to forget my girlfriend, I'm just sort of like trying to distract myself. I'm trying to, you know, not think about it. So in that sense, in this in this uh, episode, I think Willow is casting spells in the spirit of forgetting Tara, of moving on, right? In the spirit of distracting herself. So do you think, uh, what do you guys think? you think that's a bit bit much? Or do you think that we can say that Willow is casting a spell to forget Tara here? That seems like a bit much to me. But Okay. The wording more makes me think of like, she's going to use magic to basically eternal sunshine okay. Tara out of. Yeah, I think that was the intention. But I just, I thought, I thought, I'm you know, I'm looking for ways to help Michael out here, you know? Okay. Uh, season six, episode five, this one's also a bit of a stretch. Uh, Michael predicted that Andrew will wear another sexist t-shirt. Previously, he wore a t-shirt that had, um, a woman labeled, uh, as cuts of meat. In this episode, if you look at the very bottom of the dock, um, I had to get two different screenshots because you can never see the entire thing, but he has a, uh, t-shirt that says, I heart tour, T-O-U-R, tour, I heart tour. Does anybody want to make the case somehow that that's sexist? I don't Let's think it is. I, I looked up that. Sh- is that just for people that like bands? I googled that it tour? too. I don't know what the heck that means. He hearts like, tour. You can find shirts like that now, but I couldn't find like the information on like. Yeah, no idea what that. The means. origin. Anybody want to argue that he's being sexist somehow with I, I heart tour? I don't understand that. <laughs> okay. All right. Guess we'll leave that one alone as well. Okay. Season six, episode six, Michael predicted that Amy will stop Willow from performing a spell. I think this one is uh, not denied exactly, but definitely is hardcore wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All she does is encourage Willow to perform spells. Uh, We'll see if that comes true later. Uh, Season six, episode seven, uh, Michael predicted that the bronze will get damaged again. Do you think the bronze is damaged by any of the shenanigans? Like, there, I, if I was a patron and somebody floated me up to the ceiling, I probably wouldn't go back to that bar again. I feel like they set everything back to normal. Yeah. I, I did. I wondered when I watched it, were those cages that the boys were dancing in, were the cages there before they... Presumably like, not, this but I don't bell, know. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, is cage dancing a thing at the bronze? Okay. Uh, so I think that one just stays open because the bronze is not really damaged. Uh, finally... Uh, season six, episode seven. Oh, no, no, sorry. They're not finally. There's a few more. Uh, season six, episode seven, we have a super prediction, uh, which uh, Michael predicted that Spike and Buffy will have consensual sex in season six. Now, um, trous- trousers notwithstanding, can we say that uh, this is probably confirmed? Yeah. Okay. All right. Rough sex does not mean it's not consent. No, I'm not. It's not not that. I'm just saying wearing pants probably means you didn't have sex at all. Is what uh, we, oh no, we well, she we saw the insertion shot. Like we didn't see the insertion. Sorry, but we saw. <laughs> yeah, this we was saw the gas CW or whatever, right? Okay, <laughs> this is a uh, UPN. UPN. Well, anything goes on UPN. All right, Buffy will hide. Uh, season six, episode eight. 
Buffy will hide her relationship with Spike in the next episode, season six, episode nine. I think she has hidden the relationship in this episode. Yeah, uh, she almost she almost said it to Willow, but uh, yep. turned back at the last moment. Okay, and finally, season six, episode eight. Willow is not going to stop casting spells the way that she promised Tara. That is confirmed as well. So that's a lot of confirmations, actually. One, two. That's one, two, three. Four, I feel like we could deny Willow keeps the five cat because and we just didn't one see the cat. But. Denial. Well, we don't know. That cat could be hiding. Five confirmations and one denial. And a super confirmation. Yeah, one of them being a super confirmation. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. So that means, Michael, that your overall accuracy goes up to a 63.77. And your accuracy for this season goes up from a 71.79, thus raising you from a, uh, having a D- in season six, you are currently at a C average in season six. Well done. You know what? D C-minus. psychics, D psychics still get hired. They still keep their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I have some new predictions here. Uh, one of which is going to be contradicting a previous prediction, which is fine. You can have predictions allowed, that go yeah. both ways. So, um, so prediction one, I think one of the trio is going to be killed. It feels inevitable now. There's just just something disposable about their behavior. It's a little bit more reckless this episode. Like the (laughs) misused freeze ray. I'm like, and I want to say we'll be killed. Like they might just kill themselves, to be honest. (laughs) Like I don't fucking know. Like they're, they're the Batman villain idiocy. Like that's a fun emotional payoff to kill a Batman villain, like in a dramatic, gory or emotional way. So anyway, I don't want to just speculate, but one of them will be killed. Um, Amy will attack Buffy. She's loyal to Willow now. There's going to be some reason for her to attack her, not thinking through who Buffy is or what that means. Like, she doesn't get that Buffy's the Slayer or that whole world, as far as I can tell. So I think she'll attack her flippantly. Who knows? But she will she will attack Buffy. That is the prediction. Um, I have another one. Uh, this is John's Curse. We're going to see the Laura Mipsum text from the newspaper in this episode in a future episode. <laughs> that means any of that text, any segment, if that reappears... It doesn't have to be a whole paragraph. It could be a sentence, and that'll be the was reused. Um, this is dumb, but just because like they're threatening nerd stuff, at least one action figure will be destroyed in season six. And destroyed <laughs> could mean like you know burned, broken, snapped, stepped on. Just like nerdy shit's gonna get destroyed. Like we got a lot of mileage out of that Boba Fett figure this episode. A lot of triggers there. <laughs> But like, anyway, I could just say nerdy collectible will be destroyed, but I'm just going to say action figure. It's a the- Chekhov's action figure. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Uh, and then the super prediction, um, I feel like Amy is uh, not going to last very long. I think she's going to uh, die. She's not going to survive season six. Just uh, her behavior feels super reckless and she's encouraging recklessness. I mean, she's not going to last. Awesome. We got all those down. We do. Those all seem very clear to me. Not a lot of room for argument. Not yet, until you forget that this happened. <laughs> You'll notice I did not get into an argument about re- the word relationship during predictions this week. <laughs> I just let that go. Hey, Yoder, where can people find your stuff, and what kind of stuff do you do? I draw comics, sometimes better than that high school one that I showed you. Um Awesome Yoder is my Twitter handle, and I'm hoping, I don't know, been kind of sluggish to do it, but I want to revive my movie reviews, David and David at the movies.wordpress.com, 
and start that back up to review some movies. Uh, not m- new movies, because there aren't any, but like maybe just some old movies. You could, yeah, review Troll 2 World Tour. And- I'm not fucking reviewing Troll 2. <laughs> and uh, I make monster comics, and you can find them. And re- recently I've been making dream comics that also have monsters in them. Uh, but you can find them on my Patreon, which is Dennis St. John, D-E-N-I-S-S-T-J-O-H-N, or I'm online everywhere as at Dennis Comics, D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. That's my Twitter, my Instagram, my dot com, uh, and you can find my Monster Comics places. Um, all right. Uh, thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Don't forget to rate us, review us, describe to us what you think about us. We love to hear it. You can watch our YouTube. That's where we harvest most of our comments. And I really appreciate it. Our Twitter is Buffy Virgin Pod. Our Instagram is Buffy Virgin. We'll see you in hell.